0: Hello, and, and welcome to the Web3 for Digital Marketers podcast. Uh, today I'm talking with uh, Dana Javier Dojnik from Crate ATL. And uh, D- Dana has uh, extensive experience working inside the VR industry and is a board member at Invest Atlanta. So, uh, Dana, welcome to the podcast, and apologies for the mispronunciation of your first name when I first said it just a minute ago. <laughs> so.
1: It's all good. It's all good, Steve. Happy to be here. And, and for those who even care, um, it's Dana Xavier Dajnik. <laughs> but we're, we're international today, right? So it, it's got to cross all lot of, a lot of boundaries to get to where we are.
0: <laughs> Great. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. So give us a bit of background on yourself in terms of where, where you come come from, especially with the, the VR, which I, I know that you know really interests me.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I've i done a lot in my uh, broad career. I started in advertising in New York 20-some mm-hmm. years ago and um, really evolved uh, around, I'll say, the last 10 years and, and dove deep into the VR space. Um, but what got me to the VR space was... Uh, An interesting stint with intercontinental hotels and at intercontinental um, I was managing all of the visual content and written content for 5,000 hotels globally and we were trying to become a lot more efficient at that and through that um, I started to dig into some of the newer I'll say NLG natural language generation technologies. Today we call them AI technologies and really trying to um, create some efficiencies for our hotels and writing hotel content. Um, And then I started to dig deep on the visual side and recognizing that VR could help us design hotels faster, could help us get consumer feedback faster, and get the visuals of those hotels, which we had to wait until a hotel was built before we could go in and actually photograph that hotel. So with 3D um, and VR, we could do all of those things and get that content faster and out there for our, our consumers. So it really helped me hone in on I'll say a a core methodology for how enterprise organizations should really look at creating efficiencies with some of these technologies. I know a lot of brands are trying to, you know, wow everyone with jumping into the metaverse and Web3, but there's really some basics that can also happen that can really help companies prove that ROI at the end of the day and make that leap into these technologies and then do some of the wow stuff. So um, after Intercontinental, I dove deep and joined two wonderful um, VR firms and XR firms. Um, One where I was one of the first female partners at Foundry 45 and um, it's there where I got to work with some other great clients like Delta and UPS um, and Cvent and creating some really, I'll say, really interesting experiences, but relatively mainstream. So we can dive into those in a, in a little bit, and I'll provide some more examples.
0: And the the, the VR, the, you know, when when you're talking about VR, you're you're really saying you can construct the physical space digitally. You can allow people to wander around, and you can save lots of 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 money and time by allowing people to experiment and iterate. in In this case, was hotel hot, sorry hotel rooms, so that people could check out different designs and different formats of hotel rooms. Um, which I remember you I saying mean,
1: it was all hotels, right? Yeah. So um, IHG is, I want to say, at the time it was like eighty five percent franchise. So we were selling hotel rooms, but we were also selling hotels to hotel management companies, so even before a hotel was constructed, we could either use AR and visualize how is that hotel going to sit on that site that you have empty land on now, or how can we put on a VR headset and now we can walk through the lobby and visualize what it is going to be like to enter that hotel go up into a few rooms, walk around, Mm -hmm. and then also get those consumer insights. So IHG has a wonderful, uh, huge warehouse where they would actually physically construct hotel rooms and then they would bus consumers over to have them walk around, fill out some paper surveys and get that feedback on on those rooms. And now we could do that digitally in VR, in 3D, and get global feedback, whereas we'd get really, I'll say siloed feedback because we were an international business, but most of that research was getting done out of the Atlanta office here where I was. And so it, you, you really synthesize the sort of benefits of it all, but really being able to get concise feedback um, and, and really prove some ROI at the end of the day, because it would cost, anywhere from eighty to $100,000 to build out those hotel rooms in this warehouse and then have to wait 8 to 10 weeks to get the, I'll say, new insights um, from, you know, or wait for goods to come from China to then be added as we started to iterate on that, on yeah. that design. So it was a really, um, I'll say a win-win from a time and a financial standpoint as well.
0: And what when you look at the experience of let's say you take a consumer and you put them into the VR space, what would in your opinion, how efficient is it because it it is not a complete substitution for the physical, but at the same time it gives you a lot of indicators how What sort of depth do you see it um, you know how how much can it take over the physical when you come to evaluating a space and and bring a customer inside that space to evaluate it?
1: You know, because we can physically, you know, walk around in VR now, right? It's not just like stand there and turn your head around. You can literally walk around within a boundary of that space in VR. And so it allowed actually consumers to physically walk around that space. We had people, and I'm guilty of this, the first time I put on a VR headset, I was touring an apartment. And I had the controllers in my hand and I had just like used the controllers to blip around. I knew I was in VR, but at one point I am standing in front of a kitchen island and I've got the controllers in my hand and I go to put them down on the counter that is not there. Yeah, And that was my first like wow moment um, into the power of VR and the power it has over your minds, which has its pluses and minuses there too. And we can yeah. touch on that as well. But from a consumer perspective and getting those consumer insights after consumers got over the initial, wow, oh my goodness, VR is so cool, right? Well, now let's just take a walk around. Tell me how this feels, right? To get those really heartfelt and instinctual moments of how does this feel? Yeah. There's really, I'll say, a limited variance in what you might feel from walking around there physically except for touch right we're we're, we're still getting to the haptic glove uh experiences but back then this is over probably six seven years ago um haptics were, were were minimal at the time so um you couldn't touch the bedspread or feel the leather on that chair but you could walk around the physical space get the spatial parameters and, and really get a sense for the room. So, uh, you know, I'd say 85% you were, you were there um, and we, we garnered a lot of insights and were able to iterate on that really quickly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we could do it within the hour uh, and have consumers come right back through and say, okay, how about this modification? How does this feel there? So it was really powerful.
0: What, and as the technology has progressed, uh, rapidly, and um, when you look at the Oculus 2, you know we're, we're essentially shoving a mobile phone, in fr- on, you know, uh, in, in front of our eyes, and it, it is, it is um, accessible. It it works very well. What do you, what are you seeing now as the opportunities for businesses who are looking to use something like an Oculus as part of their marketing?
1: You know. As I shared, for me, it's always been a little bit more about practical use cases. Um, When companies are utilizing the technology for very specific reasons, whether it be um, to get to an end result quicker, or it's to be able to garner insights. Or it's even to train their employees. And that's sort of a, a core value area, I think. And that's where VR can really start to be the front runner. Um, so, uh, one of uh, a, a great project we worked on is with a big gas company. Um, and they had a very um, <clears throat> tangible pro- problem. They were digging gas lines with big, you know, back hose And They had a minor issue with hitting a gas pipe at one point in time, which, you know, um, could be lethal. And so what better way to be able to start to train those um, construction operators in these heavy machinery, but by doing it in VR, letting them, you know, understand the parameters of this is where you're supposed to be digging. This is how you're supposed to be digging. This is the depth and um caution you need to take when digging and make those mistakes in VR instead of in real life. Um, so it's those I'll say dangerous situations or when you have to maybe do sales and you have to really start to overcome some of those barriers and being able to have those conversations because now through the power of AR we can have sorry, power of AI, we can have those, I'll say very uh, specific types of conversations. Um, you could have all of your you know, sales challenges plugged in and do through some talking head type of situational awareness. We could have a full on conversation and start to overcome some of those barriers to sales. So practical application for me and education, um, practical training and yeah. education I think for me are the forefront of of where VR really lends itself. And then it's got a lot of fun entertaining qualities as well. I know you've jumped into Beat Saber and all the fun, you know, gaming aspects of of it that, you know, my kids enjoy, but there's tons of practical use cases that I think from like a marketing perspective and training perspective really make it um, really make it, you know, I'll say a relatively new way to to bring those experiences to life. Which can sometimes be pretty mundane, or classroom experiences can now come to life. So
0: it, it's sort of an experiential learning on steroids. You you yeah. you get all the possible experiences coming into one place. You can start to train and do things which um, you just it just would be difficult to do or physically much more limited. So it it does open a whole world of experience when it comes to. And the Oculus
1: made it that much easier, right? Untethered, you know, it's not going to be the same as a plugged in Vive experience because of the throughput you can get from a gaming machine, but you're still getting a pretty uh, one-to-one feel for, for that environment. And so, Um, I think the Quest or the Pico are, you know, some really great untethered devices that allow for that, you know, a lot of people have lots of excuses of the why I don't want to put that headset on. And part of it was being tethered to a machine, not having that really like, oh, if I walk too far, I'm going to take my laptop with me. So now, you know, Oculus and, and Pico sort of eliminated that, and Vive had a, a lot of that as well um, in, their, in their later iterations. So I think we've come a long way. So the excuse of hardware is uh, minimalizing day by day.
0: Okay, so one, one question I, I'd like to, 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 to ask you is, we, you've got the, um, the difference of opinion in the industry right now, where you've got Zuckerberg is going full VR. Um, I think there's a te- there's a there's a feeling that he may have overplayed his hand a little bit in terms of the commitment there at the moment. Um, Tim Cook, on the other hand, is saying it's all about AR, and I have to say my I you know have an Oculus here. It it is it is fun, but I can see that AR properly implemented can be you know uh, far reaching and much more practical to mix in to your your day so i i guess i'm giving the answer, my answer to the question what what's your answer what what do, how do you feel about that do you think um ar will be what leads to mass adoption do you think they'll both coexist happily what's the future look like when it comes to the vr versus ar discussion in your in your opinion
1: you know i think Zuckerberg is, is is halfway there, right? He's already doing some pass through type experiences, the Quest yeah. Two, and I'm sure, yeah. although I haven't gotten to try it, I'm getting to try it tonight. Um, the the new enterprise model, um, the pass through, you know, full color, um, and supposed to be, you know, a really nice, I'll say, uh, half a step forward into you know AR immersion. Um, and for those who are sort of, I'll say newer in this space, VR, right? Headset blocking out the world usually. Um, and then AR being able to um, utilize your phone or some more advanced headsets to be able to um, digitally enhance the the, the the space that you're in with a, a digital overlay into that space. That can in turn physically interact with that space as well. Yeah. Um, and so um I think that while Zuckerberg's deep on the the VR side, I think he's making headway, you know, to to be able to make that leap and and cross-pollinate over into the AR side of things as well. I agree. I agree that I think for mainstream AR is the way. We're already utilizing it in so many different fashions. Um and and fashion actually being one of the, the yeah. one of the key areas, right? We've been able to try on glasses and makeup and shoes um, through AR on our mobile devices. Um, but it's interesting because of I'll say the gaming world and some people game in VR, some people game in two D. But now that we can utilize digital fashions and, and things like that, um, I think that those sort of inputs um, and those I'll say uh, more millennial and younger set experiences are going to influence us pushing into the AR space um, a little bit more um, and because Apple is you know dangling the carrot I was hoping it was gonna be for Christmas this year but it looks like it might be you know I don't know q2 next year um maybe q3 um we'll, we'll have to wait and be patient for christmas for next year to to see what what apple's up to
0: what uh, we talked about this before what's your and you had good answers to it um i i, I when we we're talking before i i i put forward the idea that an issue with ar is that you cannot stop repeating the problem that Google had with Google Glass. and That is, if we're in a room together and I've got my AR glasses on, you know I've got a camera that's taking a video of you. And the, the issue that Google had was that it was a uh, infringement on people's privacy. You know, you've got someone who's really got their camera on all the time, the video's on all the time, and um, that affects your well, privacy, your your ability to be natural, and how do you see uh, people adopting something an AR headset where it's on their head? Where you're out in a you know social environment, and people are happy with that. What's the way in which we're going to evolve, or what are the social rules that we're going to have in place which will allow? AR, VR, well, more AR in this case to to flourish when you do have to accept that people's video cameras are on all the time. How, How does that play out?
1: I mean, I don't know how very different that is from when we are on our mobile device taking video out in public. We don't ask everybody around us. As I'm taking a video of my kid at the zoo, I don't see, I'm not asking all the other parents oh, are you okay that I'm taking video that I might post out to the socials, right? Like, we don't do that today. We don't, um, I don't know how it is um, where you are, but here almost, I live in, you know, Atlanta, a major city that every... Um, stoplight every major intersection every downtown street has a camera on it these days so if we think that AR is the invasion of our privacy and me having this conversation you know with you with my AR glasses is really gonna prohibit the sharing of information I think you know I think we're all putting our head in the sand then uh, because it's already pretty mainstream that we're all being documented in in one way, shape, or form or another. I think we can be cognizant and those who are going to be sensitive to it will continue to be sensitive to it. That as we approach and you've got your AR glasses on and I don't um, because I hope they're gonna look like the ones you've got on your face right now, um, you know, we, we can be considerate. And, you know, I know um, some older generation, as I even go to post a picture, you know, I have a few older relatives who'll be like, oh, can you please not tag me or please don't post yeah. that picture? You know, I, I don't prefer that. And and there's going to be, you know, always those situations and you'll have to have that social consciousness and situational awareness of of what might be appropriate or not. But I can tell you, I can't wait to be able to walk into a meeting room or a conference. And for all the names, as I'm walking up to somebody who I haven't seen in three years, and I know that face, but I can't remember that name. I can't wait till, oh, you know, their LinkedIn profile pops up and I get to see, oh, I met you in 2017. And, you know, the, the last three meetings we've had and what we've talked about, like that will be Ah, oh, that will be me breathing a sigh of relief, um, you know. And and there's lots of situations where where that will will come in handy. And you know, it'll also be detrimental um, in lots of ways as well. And and there's always going to be that plus and minus with the tech.
0: It's it's a real tricky one. But, um, you know, I'm I love tech. However, my uh, very strong feeling with tech is it's a beast that you must tame. Um, the the, uh, the people that said oh we can't deal with um smartphones so we're going to have a flip phone for that for me that was kind of saying yeah you know, i'm i i do not know i'm a raving alcoholic and i can't have any booze in the house or something it's 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 that you can uninstall twitter off your smartphone if you don't want to be looking at twitter all the time but um yeah I just with with the phones the there's an explicit you know if someone's taking out their phone and they're taking a video and and when that happens people do change how they act um, the The other thing when it comes to how how technology affects social situations I mean I have an apple watch and I notice other people with watches I try not to do it um, but when, you look at, when someone looks at their wrist, you're having a conversation and they look at their wrist, that means that they're bored and they're looking at the time. And of course, now <laughs> we have a situation where someone's notification comes in, they got some, you know, a message and it's a quick check to have a look at the message. Is it important? And, and do you need to disturb the, you know, the conversation you're having, the physical interaction? So when people are wandering around the conferences, which I, I think will be very interesting, um, at the same time, you're always going to be looking at people saying, "Are you talking to me or checking your messages?" <laughs> so, so there's always, there's, you know, there's a um, there's a balance to these things. It, it is it is tricky, but but I guess we we work out what the the social norms or the expectations how we use this technology to interact together. Um,
1: yeah, I what, think what we... those of us who are you know consciously making an effort to put our phone away and not have that constant buzz as we're having, you know, more thoughtful or intimate conversations, um, we're, we're gonna continue to do that. Just as we are able to turn off or on the inputs from our phones, we'll be able to do the same thing in our AR glasses yeah. as well, right? We're, yes, we are, um, I'll say beholden to the technology, but we still govern how we want to utilize that technology. And I I think those are some of the hurdles that people need to hear a little bit more that we're going to have that governance and it's going to be our input into that to be able to feel comfortable with it just as we do today with our mobile phones. Um, You know, and we know we get disturbing, uh, Ads two minutes after I say, "Oh, I'm looking at these you know new coach shoes, and then I'm served up you know three ads on Facebook because of it, right? So we know how to start to monitor and um, switch off those those uh, specifics on our phones to make sure that we're we're aligning with with who we are and how we want to um, be Marketed to, um, or if we, you know, don't want those interactions, we need to be very specific with those around us on on how we expect to interact and and have them follow suit from a behavior perspective.
0: On on the world of digital marketing, and I w- want to connect it through to the metaverse. Um, I mean, you know, a big question here um, with two parts. I mean, what is the metaverse, if you could explain that to listeners, and and why should digital marketers care? Uh...
1: Well, we talked about this. Um, I really prefer the term multiverse, right, because it's not one no. metaverse. It's yeah. the similar, um, I'll say, conundrum we had back in the 90s when there were multiple browser types that didn't communicate with one another you could do certain things in one browser that you couldn't do in another you couldn't port over your information from one to another and now they're ubiquitous right we get to do everything in chrome that we can do in safari that we can do um you know in brave whatever sort of uh browser you use now and so i think you know Meta wants to go and build their own metaverse Um, and Apple might have their, you know, their metaverse Um, and brands are, you know, started staking claim on their own mini metaverses, but many are also jumping into the Roblox metaverse. You would almost say that they are, them and like SimCity back in the day are the sort of Um, front-runners for how people are interacting in these multiverses and how brands are starting to leverage them and when you've got concerts real live people physical people having digital concerts going on you know on these platforms is when you're starting to see Ah, I see how that leap is being made when I see that I can play basketball out there with my kid outside which I prefer, but I also want to meet him where he is and I can jump in into Rec Room and go and play, you know, basketball in VR with him, that's awesome too. Um or meet him in Roblox or Minecraft and, you know, build new worlds. So I I think there's going to be the the push that is going to slowly take us. And your path might be different than mine. Um, I think people who don't have kids, it's gonna be you know, maybe via a brand that's gonna take them in and sort of suck them into the metaverse in some way or their own curiosity. Um, for those of us with kids, we might come along kicking and screaming into the metaverse with them, but it, it's, they're already there. Um, it's just a matter of time for us to all come along. And I'm excited to be there. I'm excited to watch how they're utilizing this technology. I learn a lot from them all the time, and and for them, there's not this uh, real big, you know, chasm between the the physical and the digital. Um, you know, just the same as my kid will come home and be like, "Hey, I'm going to meet," you know, with my friend and he's going into his room that I know his friend is not over and he's going to go jump into Minecraft together or, you know, or whatever, Um, go play FIFA or or something like that. Right. So, and they're calling each other or they're, you know, smack talking, you know, to each other. Um, So it's really, I think really interesting how we're making a lot of those leaps. Um, And it'll be exciting to see how that evolves over the next few years.
0: I, I want to um, try and summarize my understanding of it when I when I think about uh, how you present it. I like the multiverse idea. I think that makes a lot of sense because the, the concept of, hey, we've got the metaverse. No, we've got the metaverse. Well, no. It's a, I mean, the first thing is, would you, you could almost describe it as being, um, just as we had a proliferation of websites, domains, so really, a multiverse is no different to a domain. it is attached to a domain, and the owners of that domain slash multiverse <coughs> excuse me can create a world which may or may not be over um overlaid over the physical world and If you look at the consumer experience and the relevance to certainly to people in the digital marketing space. Then the customer will be wandering around with AR glasses or some form of of AR and depending on all the different websites that they subscribe to or multiverses they subscribe to they 'll start to see placements uh, over the real world which are just coming from the different multiverses that they are subscribed to so it, it's it 's a um, contextually depending on <clears throat> excuse me geolocation time um if a p- particular event is on then you're going to be seeing uh, information in the physical world and it will come from these multiverses to domains and of course domains equal brands and and that's the kind of value of the brand that the customer will be um seeing these different elements coming in from all these the, the brands that they're interested in is that
1: Yeah, Um,
0: you don't need me. Um,
1: You know, today the baby step is a QR code, right? We lift up our phone, we scan a QR code, we get presented a new layer of information. I think those baby steps is what gets us more comfortable with, in the future, we'll all have glasses on and that information will be presented to us um, in whatever fashion um, the brand or that uh, particular space governs um, or, uh, allows us to see. So for, for those of us who, um, I'll say might lean more into a a tech heavy, um, uh, level of comfort, um, we're, we're raising our hand and say, give me the glasses. Right. But for those who, who are just, I'll say, a little uh, on the, the latent side to 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 be comfortable and and maybe even a naysayer. it's gonna start to proliferate in in lots of different ways into your world. and the the construct of that content and what's presented to you will will have um, that contextual relevancy, day part relevancy, situational relevancy, and when you can understand that those things might benefit you is when we'll get the naysayers to come along um, mm. as well. So, um, you know, I think you did a great job of, of summarizing what the, the meta multiverse will be. Um, but I think there's these, I'll say, conscious decisions that many will have to make to be able to make those leaps from... Our standard QR code. I know I have to have a physical interaction in order to get there. Where you know those those I'll say physical interactions are going to pretty much go away because they'll be governed by the glasses on our faces, or the contacts in our eyes, or you know the implant in the in the yeah. back of our at some point in time. I don't know. Uh.
0: And I, I I imagine that there will be a um, if you take Pokemon Go, the Pokemon Go model, I, have you have you heard of anyone that's been creating the equivalent of a Pokemon Go, which is able to aggregate different multiverses together, so that you can be walking along and your phone pings, and you can then use your phone, i.e. can you can you make the journey to mass adoption quicker by not worrying about the glasses and focusing on that Pokemon Go experience where? you're being told when you're interested in a multiverse object that's near you and you can then use your phone to see it. Have have you heard of anyone doing that? Because that would seem a natural way of of trying to bring multiverses together to give a consumer experience.
1: You know, I think we still lived in this very, I'll say gated multiverse, um, metaverse, right? People and brands and companies are very, cognizant that we've got this limited time that I am going to sort of wall this off and to everyone's detriment, that's where we are right now. I think slowly but surely, um, some of the spaces um, like Altspace, where they're allowing multiple brands to come in, utilize their spaces, decorate them as they deem fit. Um, and create experiences within the alt space space, for for example, that those are the, I'll say, yes, it's alt space governing that space, but allowing a lot of flexibility for brands to experiment and dip their toe in the water to get comfortable on how can we leverage these new spaces to speak to our consumers to get our information out there and and connect in new ways um so i think there's going to be a lot of i'll say sharing of spaces for a while with brands and tech companies um and then you know there's a lot of brands who are already pushing into you know into the metaverse space even on their own um without having to wait for you know the tech companies to come along. Um, It's interesting as I um, have been helping a friend look for a new role, you know, I've been in in deep diving into to different um, job boards and and seeing what's out there. And, you know, metaverse wasn't even on the the top search term um, for job listings just last year. And now it's, almost on every brand's website. We're, you know, creating for the metaverse. I need a metaverse manager. I need a, you know, metaverse content developer. I need a metaverse, you know, just developer in general. Um, and, and, and how many applicants there are for those jobs as well.
0: Do you think that the metaverse, which obviously is web three, I mean, we had you know, when people talk about the metaverse, there's always an issue where you look back and you say, "Well, hold on a second, we had second life." and that that came about. There were real estate sales and, and people even making a, a living for a time, but it seemed to c- kind of fade into the background. I'm not quite sure why I, I, don't, I don't know the reasons behind uh, why it didn't um, keep growing. Um, here we have, here we have the, the multiverse, the metaverse, Web 3 decentralized. Do you think that we're going to see a, um, a proliferation of all sorts of multiverses, or do you think that we'll be seeing a Web 2 model where there's a gravitation towards a monopoly or the big players, as we've seen in Web 2? Um, what do you think will happen um, in that world have any inklings as yet? You
1: know, I'd love to think that um, with the prolifer- proliferation of Web3 and the uh, the heart that is Web3, right? It is the, the open, I'll say, open environment and ripe to build things the right way. Um, and that to me means sharing and continuity between those worlds, whether all of the brands out there and technology companies are prescribing to that, mm-hmm. uh, I think yet remains to be seen. Yeah, we, we, you, and I, um, and our you know our, our tangible uh, colleagues who who live in this Web three space will. Uh-oh we'll continue to push we'll continue to push for the brands and the tech companies to to really keep building upon and sharing and 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 bringing in versus gating those you know gating those spaces off but you know i am a i'm a glass half full gal and i will i will say i'd like to think we're going to keep pushing into Web3 or, you know, I think Web 2.5 right now. Um, and for those of us who, who want to see a better Internet, um, we, we're going to keep pushing for, yeah. for the brand to do what's right and the tech companies to do what's right. And we're not going to jump on to that gated community over there. We want to be with who we want to be with wherever they might be. And that might be, you know, in alt space today. It might be in, you know, horizons tomorrow. It might be in Roblox the next day. Um, But I'd like to not have to create a new avatar in each of those spaces to be able to interact with the people I want to interact with in those spaces. Yeah. And we're slowly getting there.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You, you, the, when you look at the, uh, things like ftx uh, the ftx fallout there you have centralized businesses built on top of a decentralized dream and and creating centralized problems but getting so far ahead because they have that centralized power and all the investment that goes in it's really difficult um i don't know how it will how it, how it will pan out and um i think with multiverse it'd be interesting to see if we end up with some protocols that mean um, your avatars can, you know, uh, be used on any different space. And if we do have some standards that come out, which allow us to um, not have um, any one player coming and taking over the space, which would be a great shame. Um, I wanted to um, move on to. Well, there's two errors actually. Um, I wanted to dig into your work on um, sustainability. Uh, and also the work with the uh, Stellar Women um, Initiative. Um, yeah, I mean, tell us about sustainability and and um, and your thoughts there, and and how that's how that's impacted around uh, marketing and and the work that you've been doing.
1: So for the last two years, um, I I'll say stepped out of the digital space and moved into a more physical space and. Took the last two years during COVID to build out a wonderful physical space here in Atlanta in Adair Park called Create ATL. Um, it is one part impact accelerator and space for entrepreneurs to thrive, uh, one part co-working space and coffee shop and event space, and the third area um, maker space, um, which. Um, we will have a, a sort of a big technical corner as well. So 3D printers and um, VR and AR uh, headsets for, for public use and private use. Um, and making that leap, we saved a 7,500 square foot blighted warehouse or three warehouses that were kind of uh, built together over time um, from basic demolition. Um, It took a lot of blood, sweat, and even some tears along the way to get there. But recognizing that this physical space is worth saving and being able to... um, We used Matterport along the way, Um, and Matterport is a camera that can basically um, take, you know, a whole bunch of pictures of the interior space and it um, you've seen it through real estate, um, but it allows you to kind of merge all those spaces together. So we were doing a walking tour of the build out of this space. And we would do this every, I'll say three to six months. And to see the evolution of this, you know, dirty old warehouse to get to, you know, a cleaned up, emptied out space to then become this colorful, beautiful space that during COVID, my kids helped paint cinder blocks to create stand-up desks. My business partner's um, kids probably learned how to use more power tools than we would have ever allowed for them um, at the ages of six, seven, eight, and nine (laughs) um, to ever let them do it at home. They were picking up paintbrushes and, and learning these i'll say different tool sets mm-hmm. and to be able to upcycle everything that went into this space or about i'll say about 80 to 85 percent everything um, that was either formally there was reused or rehabbed or donated to another organization that would be able to then maybe resell it or use it so we had to you know, take apart two bathrooms because they weren't ADA compliant, but somebody else is going to be able to use that low flow toilet um, that just wasn't ADA certified, right? So um, there's a great organization that was right down the street from where Create ATL called Lifecycle Building Center here in Atlanta that does that, repurposes um, older materials, or as you're taking apart or deconstructing something. You can drop it off there. They strip it down to its reusable parts and pieces and resells it. Or they then in turn donate it to nonprofits who might be building out uh, a new office space or um, or a new uh, like conference center or something like that. So I think it's this ecosystem of sustainability that really resonated with me. And I'm going to bring it back to VR right now because... I'm working on a project right now that is enabling workforce development for deconstruction. So there's plenty of places that are getting torn down. Um, And then there's, I'll say a cognizant way to do that, right? We can have a team go in and break apart an older building. And there's a hundred year old pine Mm. beams that are in there that are the hardest hardwood that we would want to use to, you know, redo a wall like this behind me or a table or, you know, utilize for something else. Um, There's all these components that when deconstructed instead of demolished are reusable. But again, we have to train the workforce to be able to recognize what those materials are, how to take them apart the right way. And we can do that through vr so we can throw on a vr headset you're walking into this space and okay we're going to pry off this piece of sheetrock and now we're going to talk about all of the components that are inside that wall um, because we might not always have that physical space to train this workforce so we're making that leap we're going to be able to create some of those i'll say environments and some of the hiccups that they might find along the way old wiring and things like that that you know, our no-no's and we don't want, you know, folks getting hurt along the way. Um, or OSHA training, right? Um, so making sure that we're aligning with sort of the, the governing um, agencies around safety when you're coming into a construction site and things like that. Those things that are so blasé to sit in a classroom and have somebody, you know, speak to you and hear some slides about it when you can physically put on a headset and get around and walk around and actually do those things, that learning comes faster and stays with you um, tenfold than it does in a, in a physical classroom by reading it in a textbook or even just watching a passive video. So I see, um, you know, I love when my worlds collide um, the physical and the digital and uh, you know, and then layer on some, some VR for training in there and you know, it's all music to my ears. Then,
0: we're, um, we're, my understanding was as well that you had a desire to bring community together, that, that, very much which, so. which came from came through the lockdown experience.
1: Very much so. We originally were building out the space as uh, more of a creative space, more for artists, and um, we're thinking that that's what the that's what the community needed. Um, But in short order, through very specific and tangible conversations, we asked and we listened. We listened Mm -hmm. carefully. We sat on community calls on a a monthly basis to really understand what were some of the hiccups and hurdles that this particular area of town was going through. Because um, right across the train tracks was a very, I'll say, Creative community that was getting lots of love and attention from the city of Atlanta. And then there was this little slice of Adair Park that just wasn't getting that love because there's only, you know, a smaller amount of residents there. There's 200 seniors that live there, 40% single um, parent families who live there. And they have very different needs than, you know, the, I'll say, more uh, creative spaces that are in and around Atlanta already that have those built-in institutions for creativity. A lot of folks here needed affordable spaces to start up a business. or just affordable space to have some quiet away from um, you know, a, a small living condition or a multi-family living condition. And we were creating those spaces. Um, at create ATL. So um, we just opened our doors uh, in October for for the public and it's, it's a beautiful space. Um, so if you're in Atlanta and you're hearing this, go check it out. It's over at 900 Murphy Avenue. Um, it's, it's a wonderful space. Um,
0: what, what I love as well is So, so I, I was just gonna say what I love is that as a as a VR guru um you're you're absolutely entrenched in the world of bringing people together physically as well and i i okay. I, I just feel like that is it, people that work in technology just because you work in technology doesn't mean that you want to be a slave to technology or that it's the only thing that exists but it's the it's trying to get the best out of these different worlds and um it doesn't mean that you want to turn off the tap from physical community getting people together and I know, I know that you're saying that you had some VR spaces inside the community space so that people could experience it or be using it for, for work. So, it, 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 you know, these worlds do come together. They are meant to complement, not exclude.
1: Very much so. I'm excited to see how we start to complement these digital spaces. You know, a lot of the co working spaces during COVID in and around Atlanta and globally. Um, started to create that digital co-working space as well for all those who were sort of stuck at home Um, because you still wanted that sense of community. And we could achieve that pretty much in, you know, through Zoom and Google Meets and all of the online um, spaces today. But it's different. And I know we were going to try to do this for this call, but uh, it would have been wonderful to be able to me to be in Atlanta and you to be yeah. in Thailand and actually physically feel in VR like we were sitting in the same room. Um, and I think it's it's those sort of those leaps um, of the 2D and 3D or the physical and the digital spaces when those start to cross pollinate. Um, and, you know, you don't have to do it on your own dime, when you can go to a space and and try out the technology and be amazed that I've just walked into this beautifully designed space and I can put on a headset and I can go into that same beautifully designed space or that enhanced digitally designed space. right? So um, we had a wonderful intern with us from Georgia Tech over the summer. And she, she was doing it just through QR codes, again, taking those baby steps. Mm-hmm. But we had amazing art from all different artists all over Atlanta. And she created QR codes for many of the pieces so that you could learn about the artist, see a video, understand the different areas that they work in, um, whether they were a graffiti artist or a muralist. You could see the piece that we had on our wall and see where to go see that in other places in and around Atlanta. Um, she brought to life 3D pieces life-size so that you could do you know fun selfies and, and things like that through AR um, with a lot of these assets that we had there as well. So there is always the blending of that physical and digital. And I think, well, I appreciate the fact that you made that leap for me that they're not, you know, they can be duplicative and the tech folks can build the physical, the mm. physical folks can build the technical. It's just a matter of figuring out those commonalities and the common language that will allow for those things to happen um, a little bit more on, on the regular.
0: And I, I just want you to, you know, perhaps touch on when you look at the marketing that you've you've done recently uh, whether for the community space or for, for other work that you've been doing. When you look at that Web2, you know, Web2 digital marketing, Web3 digital marketing, ultimately, they are, uh, you know, the different toolboxes you have around, you're going to be taking out the bits that work for the the brand, the business, whatever marketing you've got to do and, and what's going to best fit the, uh, the product that you're taking out there. But uh, how do you see... When you look at web 2 marketing um, and where do you what do you see that's still strong, what do you see that's perhaps now weak and and where do you see pieces of web three that you're bringing into your overall kind of marketing toolkit?
1: you know when you think about um, new payment models, right um, we need to think through that we are building a physical space in Southwest Atlanta and a lot of folks in Southwest Atlanta aren't utilizing the mainstream payment methods, right? They're proliferating in the cash apps and a lot of, I'll say, the decentralized cryptocurrency models out there. And I think on our roadmap to think through is how do we introduce some of those, I'll say, different payment methodologies to think about membership model, right? So that's a simple, um, easy crossover. Um, I think the same way that we're using QR codes and looking at artwork, that that can cross-pollinate into the NFT world, right? Yeah. We, You wanna own that same piece, that physical piece, and you wanna decorate your digital space with that? Great, let's think about that cross-pollination of, of NFT. Oh, those t-shirts that we designed with that artwork from that artist? Oh, you want your avatar to wear that now? Great, let's figure out all those cross-pollinations on how to make those physical and digital leaps um, or blends that that really are happening um, in so many places out there. So. Um, As brands start to think about what they've already physically built and how to cross pollinate them into the digital space, those are the leaps that I think marketers need to start thinking about um, if they aren't already.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's the community, you know, creating a community of people that never, ever met. Um, Example, you're driving people to visit a a particular place you're able to claim say an NFT, and then, you know, there may be 10,000 visitors in a year and you can provide a means for them to be able to interact as people that all had a common experience, albeit at a different time. Um, it's, it is interesting. There, there is a, a lot of potential, um, you know, with the bolt-ons. Um, however, I'd, I'm aware of time and I really would also like to ask you about the work um, with the Stellar Women Initiative. Can you give us a bit of background on that? Because also that's of course how we met through uh, Dixie.
1: Yes, um, and, and, and there is the, the, I'll say wonder of what Web3 is and the stellar women community as well, right? It's women reaching out to women who might not necessarily know one another, but have this common thread of, of web three that allows for me to just reach out or for dixie to reach out and just say hey i know you're sort of tangentially associated with this can we have a conversation about that and to start to dig deep and and forgive me um but it's been like Week two uh, of jumping in with the the Seller Women Initiative, so I'm slowly um, starting to to wrap my arms around that, and maybe it's maybe it's our um, V two of this this uh, video chat um, with Dixie as well. Maybe we can do a three way one because I'll be doing it a disservice to to jump in and and all that's going on there, but uh, we'll plant the seed to say. Um, if you're interested in thinking about how to get involved in the Web3 space, um, start to to dig into what's going on with with Stellar Women Initiative. And if you're out there as a creator or an NFT artist, or um, I'll say tangentially associated in that space, um, or just curious, um, ping us, ping me on LinkedIn, um, find Dixie Gilbert and and, and we'll kind of take you along on that ride as well so more to come on that um, and like I said maybe we can do a, a V2 of this sometime soon
0: yeah that'd be great we'll get Dixie into a VR space which I mean actually we may even try that you know um, it, it is it, it's 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 great that you are pushing that with Dixie and, and, and other community members because you do have terrible stats of a female representation in the crypto space i think we're talking five percent and um and when you go into discord land it can be pretty male uh sort of aggressive worrying about lamborghinis and stuff so we definitely need balance in the space and and it's it's great the work that's being done there um yeah dana I'd, i know that we in in terms of time we're coming up to time um you know before we finish uh where can people find out more about you and um um, yeah, I mean, how how can people contact you? You 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 mentioned a couple of places. What about uh, website, um, uh, website or social media?
1: You know, LinkedIn has been my, I'll say, best conduit. Um, it's where I do most of my interaction um, for for business and and connecting. So I think that's the easiest right now. Um, I uh, I gave up on a website and blog many moons ago. So, uh, I'll say LinkedIn is easiest, Dana Xavier Dajnik. Um, and, and I'd welcome, uh, a lot of new conversations that might come out of this. So thank you, Steve. I appreciate you having me on. I loved, uh, getting to have my morning coffee while you're having your, hopefully, uh, <laughs> something stronger in your cup since it's, it's nighttime for you. But, uh, I, I wish you well, and uh, I wish you a, a wonderful evening.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It's, it's really appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Dana. Um, thank you very much. And um, so that's it for this episode. And before you go, uh, please be sure to follow the podcast if you want to get notified of latest episodes. And please do add us to um, uh, on, on social media. We're at the Blue Marble IO. And see you next time. Thank you.